for a minute the podcast which takes a deep dive into steven spielberg's 1975 classic film jaws minute by minute or thereabouts i'm your co-host mj smith and i am sarah buttery and we have a guest with us this week uh usually our guests are at the other end of a of a laptop or uh the other end of the world sometimes uh this guest is very close to me they are sat right next to me (laughs) no covid rule breaking here um because the guest this week is my fiance Martin Martin White. I will introduce you by your full name. <laughs> Hi Martin. How how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. That was very professional. Yeah. So I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah, doing doing my best. Uh, totally not weird at all. Introducing my fiance as a guest on the show this week. Um, but you don't you don't get off lightly uh, without answering oh. the question, the Jaws question oh, no. that we <laughs> that we ask all of our guests. Um, so Martin, what is it that you like about Jaws, uh, and why, why did you want to come on, uh, to, to talk, uh, to us about Jaws? Shouldn't, I don't... You, shouldn't you ask about what I dislike about Jaws? No, I'm joking. that would, <laughs> <laughs> see, it's already being derailed, uh. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> no, what is it you like about Jaws, um, and maybe as well, like, when, when you first saw it, or if you can remember when you first yeah, saw it? Yeah, um. I think I was quite a late bloomer when I when I first watched Jaws, because mm. um, uh, I don't yeah I don't know if I was a really young kid when I watched it. I think the my earliest memory of watching Jaws was when I was fourteen, about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, when I was I was I used to live in like a quite a rough London neighbourhood, and um, uh, kind of like young kids that would bully me quite a lot. They loved Jaws, so I I kind of. I kind of thought, oh, maybe maybe Jaws is not a very good film if it, if <laughs> little kids my age back then were, who bullied me loved it. I was like, nah, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> so I kind of took a few years later when I was 14 to give it my first watch. And then, oh, yeah, this is actually a really good film. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and but like I, I, I like when I was younger, I was I grew up watching um, Rangers Lost Ark, um, E.T., um, uh, Close Encounters, so I grew up on those kind of um, films. Um, so yeah, I wasn't really into Jaws um, from my early childhood. Not like a lot of people we know on Twitter. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And your first, well, your favorite Spielberg film is Jurassic Park. It is, uh, yeah. If I am correct, and um, one of our um, early dates. I don't think it was not too close to the first one, but we went to see a double bill of Jaws and Jurassic Park at the cinema. Um, so that was like my favourite film and your favourite film. So that is a very good and happy memory we have of watching. Speci- yeah, special memory. Yeah, of watching <laughs> Jaws. Um, that was the first time I saw it at the cinema as well, actually. Mm. So that was that was fun. I just remember that yeah. being a good time, us both seeing like our favourite films together. And I think pretty <laughs> early on into our relationship i said that jaws was a deal breaker and if you didn't like it uh we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't proceed uh is that accurate <laughs> that is accurate yeah yeah <laughs> maybe i gave a little white lie when i said i absolutely loved it mm. i like it but I, I don't think i truly love it as much as you and mj sorry about that i don't think it's possible to love it as much as me and mj <laughs> so yeah I'll, that's uh... a that's a weird bar to set so <laughs> But um, yeah. Jurassic Park was the first ever film I saw on the big screen when I was about six or seven years old mm-hmm. um, in 1993. Um, and that's what what got me into cinema and films. And um, yeah, I just loved the whole magic of cinema and mm-hmm. seeing all the, the big dinosaurs on the big mm-hmm. screen, the mm-hmm. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, I remember when the when you see the, the entrance of, of the T-Rex and I remember the whole auditorium shaking all the uh, seats sh- uh, vibrating um so that was a um, a moment that i would never forget in mm. cinema so yeah yeah that's yeah. a good that's a pretty solid introduction to cinema i feel yeah. uh seeing jurassic yeah. park on the big screen yeah. Yeah. um 
I, I remember when we went to see um, Jurassic Park and Prince Charles, and there was a woman sitting directly in front of us who we believe was the first time she's ever seen it because yeah. she um, screamed at and jumped out of her seat with all the big jumpy parts about the film. <laughs> it was quite funny to watch. <laughs> yeah. Imagine getting that far into your life and never having seen Jurassic Park. I mean, she was older than both of us, so it was, it's so much fun to watch someone experience in a film for the first time. And I... I talked on last week's episode actually about when I took some friends to see Jaws and how much fun that was with the the scene we talked about last week with um, Ben Gardner and the jump scare and it's it's a lot of fun. I this is making me miss cinemas now. It's been yeah. it's been over a Every, year yeah. since I've been to a to a theatre, so yeah, uh, <laughs> missing it. And uh, I didn't get to have my or we didn't get to have our annual uh, go and see Jaws on the Fourth of July trip, mm. which we usually do. Um, so hopefully, I mean, hopefully this year, uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. Watch, watch yeah. this space. Um, okay. <laughs> we, we better start talking about, uh, the scene this week and it's a, it's a, it's a doozy. We've, we've gone from having a pretty quiet scene last week, uh, at least in terms of dialogue, there was a little bit at the start and then it's sort of all just atmosphere and tension building leading up to the jump scare. Um, but this week's scene couldn't be more different. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue going on. So the timestamp of this scene is 50-50 minutes and 22 seconds up to 52 minutes and 24 seconds. And this is uh, obviously the next the next day, we presume. Uh, Hooper and Brody have sobered up and are off the boat and they are now talking to Larry. And there is a pretty heated discussion going on between these three as they talk about uh, the discoveries they've made and what the implications of this are basically for, for Amity going forward. So there is so much good stuff in this uh, in this scene. <laughs> this is one of my favourite scenes, uh, Martin. I know this is one of the scenes that we probably quote the most to each other as yeah. well. I think that's <laughs> probably why you're here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you get to start off uh, any, the, the discussion and um, yeah, let us know what it is yeah. that you liked particularly about this scene or something that you that you noticed in this scene. Okay. Um, I just mainly love this scene, most of all, because um, it kind of um, shows to us the true colours of Mayor Vaughan. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that um, audiences are properly realising that he is an incredibly greedy, selfish and egotistical um, fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't mince your words, Martin. <laughs> uh, he, just, he, just, he just doesn't care about the safety of all the human lives uh, at the beach. Mm-hmm. He just cares about all the money that he can draw in from all the... Um, from all the people holidaying at the, at the sea um, so yeah it's just uh, yeah and just like all, all the things that um, Brody and Hooper like bark at him about having to close the beach calling the coast guard he doesn't take any notice of that and um, he just kind of um, argues back by saying like I don't think you're familiar with all the problems mm. that I, I have as a mayor and uh, Hooper's like well I don't I'm, I'm familiar with, with the fact that you're um uh, what was it? What was his line? Oh. Uh, it's something like, um, you're going to ignore this particular but, problem. And, and it swims up and bites you straight in the ass. Yeah, yeah. that's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just, yeah, this this whole scene just makes you want to hate Mayor Vaughan even more than than before. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a real big <clears throat> moment for, for Larry, I feel. And in previous episodes, there's been moments where we've defended him, like not very often, but it has happened. I the damage is done in in this scene because he is so just switched off from what Brody and Hooper are saying that it's really quite quite ridiculous that he is just not listening to what they're saying at all and a weird thing is that he is he seems to be fixated on evidence um and he doesn't talk for almost a full minute into into this scene. He's sort of just taking it in. It's a lot of Hooper and Brody talking, and he is just sort of like silently observing. He's waiting for his moment to strike. It feels like, um, and then as soon as he finds out that there was this piece of evidence, this tooth, and now that tooth is missing, he that's the thing he fixates on. He's like later. He's like, but you don't have the tooth. Yeah, and. Yeah. This is interesting because 
this isn't new stuff that we've seen from Larry and it seems that proof or evidence is important to Larry when it suits him. So when the tiger shark was was caught, you know, he's right there in the thick of it. The, the shark is strung up on the dock for the for the world to see and he wants that photographic evidence going out to the world so they can see that the the threat has gone. But then when there's the suggestion that they cut the shark open to find out if if Alex is inside basically um we talked about previously that he is like cut down the shark and and chuck it back in the ocean basically and effectively getting rid of the evidence because cutting open that shark and discovering there is a small child in there is going to be incredibly damaging to the reputation of Amity but he just has this this weird fixation on the on the proof and on the evidence in this scene that I've never sort of really picked up on before before i think because this scene has so many of just my favorite lines of dialogue in the whole film that i tend to just focus on those bits but i was really watching larry this time on one of my many watches of this scene i was just staring at larry and looking at how he was reacting to to what was happening in this scene and yeah he's he's real keen on that uh on that tooth being found it's interesting because they are painting him well okay they are not painting him he is trying to paint himself as completely reasonable in this situation right where look guys i'm willing to believe you but i need to see evidence first and that seems like a reasonable uh disposition to have um Mm -hmm. when you're going to make an economic decision for your town if you're in charge of it However, there are like three dead bodies that uh, would like a word, except they can't because they're dead. So there already is evidence, you moron. Um, so it's it's this like very performative act that he's doing. And it reminds me, I don't want to make the podcast weird, but I started to say something a couple weeks ago. Uh, I sort of about um Vaughn and I decided I'd wait until we got to a Vaughn episode Mm -hmm. and this is this might be a bit of a stretch and I don't think it's necessarily the intent of the filmmakers but I was thinking it was a guest said something that got me thinking about um like Spielberg in general and Spielberg as um while he does not explicitly make films about this subject matter with the exception of Schindler's List and arguably Saving Private Ryan. He is a Jewish man and he is a pretty devout Jewish man. He's, you know, not shied away from talking about his faith in public and that informs how that informs his uh, filmmaking style. I mean, sort of uh, not as explicitly as the way Scorsese explores his Catholic faith in in his movies, um, but it's kind of there in the background. And so it got my my brain hamster turning on uh, this sort of being like a Pharaoh situation, right? So like in, in the early books of the Bible where Pharaoh is, you know, he's not willing to let the Israelites go to, and so then the plagues come and, and he just kind of ignores them until it hits too close to home. And we kind of see Larry go through the exact same arc, uh, really with that. And then it got me thinking about like, Brody is Moses and Hooper is Aaron. It was a lot. It was, <laughs> it was a lot. And then like, now I'm thinking of it as like a Jesus and the Pharisees type of situation, or even like a doubting Thomas, but doubting Thomas, like wasn't harming people actively by ignoring this and um, things like that. So it does break down eventually, but I do think it's an interesting angle to consider. And I think that art is open to interpretation of all kinds. Um, So it's really interesting to kind of take that in and see this thread of, you know, I don't know if it's explicit in the way that it was written. Also Spielberg didn't write the film, um, but it is interesting to see like, oh, Spielberg has talked about the way his, you know, Jewish upbringing and Jewish faith informs his filmmaking. And right now we see a very like borderline one-to-one comparison to a story and a story that's been told cinematically kind of a lot. Hmm. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about, I had not really thought about it in that way before, but it's an interesting, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think I don't, Yeah. I need to watch this scene again. And with with that in mind, I feel like. But yeah, 
yeah um so anyway that's uh that's that's what i had uh high level on the scene there's also a reference to the inspiration for jaws um which is the the jersey shore shark attacks of 1916 um i think i believe that's the event that inspired benchley to write the book in the first place if i'm correct oh right okay yeah it's it's one of them i did a bit of research on it actually just because i've heard it talked about but i've never actually like sat down and 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 read about it so yeah it was it was one of the the sort of the things that inspired peter benchley to to write jaws there's quite a few parallels as well in in those real events and then in what happens in jaws so mm-hmm. um there were i think in jersey beach there were four fatalities and then another person was injured um in jaws we get four scene fatalities i mean you can argue pippet uh off screen but we all know that pippet the dog is alive and well um but the the four fatalities that we see in jaws obviously we have chrissy we have alex the guy in the pond and then quint um the time period as well is is similar it's july roughly july 1st to july 12th um is the jersey beach uh Mm. attacks time frame uh a vacation beach town as well so obviously the similarities there um and there was uh, a shark a shark killer or a shark hunter commissioned um, to tackle that problem then. So yeah, interesting to see it sort of like explicitly mentioned in, in this scene. Um, it gives sort of something to, to look into in a bit more detail if, uh, yeah, if, if you're not like super familiar with the book or the inspiration behind it. Um, yeah. And interesting that this is the, <laughs> this is the point it gets mentioned at as well, where it's like, this stuff has happened before uh in other places like and there is evidence like you're you're saying about this tooth being missing and you're desperate to see this flipping tooth but that this this isn't unusual this has happened before like you said the bodies are there (laughs) i don't understand what else mayor vaughan wants at this point from them it's really i don't know it's hard to watch (laughs) and going back to the shark tooth as well he doesn't give um a single moment thought to uh, Ben Gardner himself, or yeah. you know what actually yeah. happened to him, whether he survived or became instant shark food. Just <laughs> that is a very good point that I had not even thought about. Actually, <laughs> like, yeah. Martin just like, made us realize that we are also bad people. Yeah, <laughs> we're um, like, what about the tooth? And you're like, what about this poor guy who got yeah. killed? <laughs> hey, a guy died. Head. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he just simply has, you know, a kind of a massive disregard for, the, like I said earlier, the safety of other human lives. Um, mm-hmm. Just doesn't have any compassion whatsoever. And I feel that's what makes him like a kind of a, a seaside town resort version of Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, get, we're I don't getting understand. those parallels. <laughs> we're seeing we're seeing them now aren't we uh yeah even more so i think in the in the scenes coming up when he's on the beach and is like as you can see everyone's having a lovely time uh there is no shark <laughs> that's uh very what we have experienced in the last year i think uh on both sides uh yeah. <laughs> but, so um, b- before we get too far away from the jersey shark attacks yes, i do yeah. want to say uh shout out jack cooper did you see his tweet this morning i did yeah Um, (laughs) so on brand yeah extremely on brand but uh i do want to mention um so that we're doing our due diligence shark attacks exceedingly rare they are they're they do not happen that often um and jack posted a, a tweet today where he was very upset with an inflammatory uh uh headline from was it the star uh some kind of trashy uk yeah, newspaper yeah, yeah. with them. the uh, recreation of the jaws poster featuring boris johnson in a clown wig which is pretty <laughs> funny um <laughs> i need to check it out <laughs> it, 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 he was very upset about the sort of inflammatory nature that sort of was fear-mongering about <laughs> sharks and shark attacks so uh doesn't i know it, it doesn't happen that often uh just wanted to put that out there so that we can we can clear the air on that. Also, there is a book written about the... Uh, several people have recommended it to us on Twitter. There is a book written about the Jersey shark attacks called mm-hmm. Close to Shore that came out in 2001. I have not read it, but if you're interested, uh, you can read it. 
Yeah, I I gotta read that. I added it to my uh, to read list when it was last recommended to us. But yeah, I need to I need to actually get around to reading that because uh, particularly as you know, seeing obviously we're watch- watching the film and this is fictional, but is uh, based on on real events or perhaps using inspiration from that. So I think it'd be interesting to read in more detail about something that that did actually happen and how the you know how they reacted to it then because. 1916 even further back than 1975 uh, obviously but it's they knew even less about sharks then so i can only imagine the kind of the the panic and the way that they handled that as well was you know it doesn't seem that they've learned their lessons uh in amity because they're going about it in the exact same way um with frightening parallels when it comes to the body count and stuff at least so um yeah <laughs> lessons have clearly not been learned in the film at least on um on how to handle that but um yeah a- another thing that i noticed is particularly at the start of this scene we've spoken about this before in the the positioning positioning of characters and where mm. they are on the screen and what that means um and there's a lot of movement there's a lot of chopping and changing of positions in this uh opening bit sort of before larry starts talking and it's basically this scene is kind of just like one great big power play but it's quite messy (laughs) it's not like in the previous times we've seen it where the person on the right has sort of held the the power for the entire scene or for a couple of minutes it's quite frantic the the movement of the characters at the start of this scene um and yeah usually sort of being on the right hand side is indicative of um of power or control so we start off with like uh, larry is in a a brody and hooper sandwich he's in the middle of them and, and brody is on the right um and then hooper moves over when he's sort of like talking about the the size of the tooth um that he found and then larry is over on the right as well and and brody is like we've spoken in previous episodes about brody's anxiety man you can feel it in in this in this scene um as someone who has anxiety i know what it's like uh when you're in the middle of that panic or on the edge of that panic it's really hard uh to sit still or stand still you just want to be moving doing something doing something with your hands walking around um and Brody is clearly agitated in this in this scene um and also this isn't something that we've had come up for a little while but that idea of of predator and prey is something that we've spoken Mm. about on a few previous episodes and the way that that Brody and Hooper are sort of like (laughs) I said about you know that Larry is the filling in this sandwich but the way they're sort of circling him is like an animal circling prey as well. They're I really picked up on that. Yeah, yeah. like we, there's been other moments in the film as well where it's like separating out from the pack, but this is obviously like the two pronged approach <laughs> that they're going for here as their plan of attack. And would love to say it's successful, but uh, we we all know how this film pans out, so it is not successful. But um, yeah, considering this is just basically like a Aaron Sorkin walk and talk um <laughs> style scene there's a lot of a lot of movement and a lot of um frantic energy in this scene that I think really comes across it's very frantic like you said it's very panicked it's very uh th- that that mania that is overtaking Brody uh hashtag can relate um <laughs> definitely been there in my fair share uh, I, I think there's excellent acting happening from all three of these guys in this scene, though. Mm. Um, you know, even looking at Brody, his hair is a little disheveled. You know, he's not, you know, boy scouted up with the, the product in his hair the way he usually is. Mm. He's kind of at his wits end, especially with Larry. And it's interesting because Hooper is very frantic in the scene as well, but he is giving off anger vibes not anxiety vibes and um i think there's a really good interplay between roy scheider and richard dreyfus of uh conveying those two separate emotions that are coming from the same place like his anxiety is up because he's angry right Mm -hmm. and uh it, it they do a really good job with their body language and the way they're they're speaking to um you know, Hooper's in more control, but he's pretty 
pissed. Like he's he's not holding back with Larry. But then um uh Murray Hamilton is awesome in this scene. He's so, so there's so much disdain on his face for both of these guys at this point, and he's so just like smug and smarmy yeah, and gross. Yeah. yeah, there's just like and he's completely devoid of any, like you brought up, Martin, like compassion or mm. willingness to even hear this situation out reasonably. Yeah. And he's really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> like when um, Hooper's like pressurizing him to close the beach, um, he, he uh, Mayor Vaughn just basically tosses this away and re- reiterates his like kind of selfish point that. The people of town depend on the beach during the summer, otherwise he's finished. I'm like, good, I want you to be finished. I want your to, your career as the mayor to be over. Because, <laughs> let's face it, you are a bit of a hotless <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we might have to beep that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just venting my anger towards this character. The anger is real. Makes me so mad during the scene. I don't know if we can get away with those with that kind of oh. uh, language on the pod. Well, uh, I'll leave that in the hands of MJ. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of like it, but also I'm I'm going back and forth as I'm thinking about it as well. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, you can edit it if you want. I think we'll have to take a look at the we'll have to take a look at the uh, the listenership and see how much is UK based and how much is US based. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to make this a bit more controversial than hey, usual. Sorry about that. Look, chaos was anticipated. Uh, that's been on a podcast together. Uh, we were correct to think that but yeah murray hamilton in this scene is so good i can't remember exactly what the line is that causes this reaction but like he does like a a great kind of like a a great noise i think it's when hooper says something i think it's right at the end when he's like i'm not gonna waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch yes um, the last line of the scene yeah. yeah and and larry sort of like tuts or is just really like dismissive and also super super rude and mm. the when they're sort of walking closer to the to the billboard um vaughn is like not even looking at hooper and yet hooper is the one that's talking to him um so this is when hooper uh, i granted hooper is getting quite aggressive at this stage when he's sort of saying i think i'm familiar with the fact uh you're going to ignore this particular problem but this whole time vaughn is like calling for brody in in the background so he's like not even really listening uh to what hooper is saying he's just like chief chief and is is basically not even wanting to deal with hooper at this stage and I mean, this guy is a shark expert. I don't know what Larry's credentials are in sharks, but I would uh, be willing to bet that Hooper knows more about sharks than than Mayor Vaughan does. And the fact that he's so dismissive is quite... Well, let's not get carried away. Which one of them has anchors on their suit? (laughs) (laughs) Who's more committed to the sea than... Larry Vaughn. Yeah, the mark of a, a shark expert is yep. uh, your nautical-themed clothing, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah. would he wear it on his sleeve, literally, if uh, he didn't know a thing or two? <laughs> what you can't see is that, like, woven into the uh, fabric of Hooper's lovely red tie it says i am a shark expert it's just really really small you can't see it (laughs) he has a tie bar that is the jaws poster um (laughs) that's stupid that's so dumb uh sorry everyone uh something i noticed from richard dreyfus in this scene also not necessarily from richard dreyfus but I think I have a definitive answer for the if they remake Jaws and you, there's nothing we can do about it and it's just going to have to happen because I think Sarah and I's two-person protest outside of Universal Studios would get us nowhere. <laughs> Patrick Wilson for Hooper. Hmm. Yeah, I can see it. It's a good shout, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, what do I got, know? I got I got big Patrick Wilson vibes. He, he's much taller than Richard Dreyfus. Uh, mm. Patrick Wilson's a pretty tall guy, but 
I was just kind of thinking about it and I was like, maybe it's just because his most well-known role has him in a lot of 70s clothing because he's in the Conjuring movies, but he very much acts like Hooper, but with the devil Um, (laughs) in in those movies. Like, I've never made that connection before, but especially here when he's like explaining things, because, you know, in that movie, he has to explain the, I don't know, supernatural elements of that movie to a lot of lay people in it and when they don't listen to him he gets frustrated and it very much has a similar vibe to what's going on here i would not be surprised to learn that rich dreyfus is one of patrick wilson's acting heroes actually yeah yeah i can see that to be honest i mean i still am greatly opposed to a jaws remake but if it was gonna happen then i could yeah i can i can see it i'm i'm not against that uh in theory yeah (laughs) But I am against the Jaws remake, just in general. <laughs> will it, do you think it will get remake? I hope not. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. I don't know. Are there any movies? Has Spielberg's movies had any remakes? I don't think so. No. Mm, not that I can think no, of. No. Not, no. Not not that I can think of either. It could no. be one of those things that, like, uh, like with Back to the Future, it's like whilst um, Zemeckis is alive, like nothing is allowed to. Yeah. Nothing mm, is allowed yeah. to happen. All, all Spielberg has done is sequels like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull, but well, that's terrible. Why did you sure. bring that up? Oh, the... <laughs> there are two perfectly good other sequels you could have mentioned. Yeah, yeah sorry about that. <laughs> Martin is the agent of chaos. He, I, he um, loves it. Yeah, I, I like to ruin everything. That's me, the party pooper. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> getting, getting back to uh, our good pal Larry in this scene. Um, there's a moment where it's sort of like, it really feels like he he goes for the the jugular, if you will, and the what he knows I think is particularly going to get under Brody's skin. Um, and let me just find the line. I think it's when he says that. Um, yeah, I don't think either one of you are are familiar with our problems. Um, and it's addressing both of them. So you know, because he says I don't think either one of you are familiar with our problems. Mm. And it's basically saying that, like, even though Brody, yes, Hooper is an outsider. He has come to the island as an outsider. He's an expert. Apparently, that doesn't matter at all to Mervorn, um, because he has anchors on his suit, so that makes him the expert. Yeah, but... there you go. Now you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> but but Brody is the chief of police, and yes, hasn't been on the island that long, but he. He's familiar enough, I think, with with the town, and this is his first summer there, so I guess that area of it is is new to him. But the fact that he go the fact that he goes for that is kind of it's kind of low, basically. It's being it's just being like you you two outsiders have no idea the struggles we as Amity go through. You know this idyllic, lovely seaside place that brings in all the tourists every year. You have no idea how difficult it is uh, for us to, to deal with this this kind of problem. But I, oh, yeah, this is there's so much infuriating stuff that happens in this scene with Larry. I mean, Murray Hamilton is so good at playing it, and I think that. You, he is still kind of like the villain you love to hate, and I will fully argue that Mervon is the true villain of this piece and not the shark. <laughs> Sharks are innocent. The shark is just doing what a shark does, no, which is about that. eating people. Uh, <laughs> well, eating, you know, eating just in generally. That's what yeah. sharks do. Um, but Vaughn, he the the truth is staring him in the face. He has seen the evidence, and it seems like when Mrs. Kintner was when she appeared on on the dock and confronted Brody, that Larry was quite open to the idea of, you know, finding out whether the shark they'd caught was the shark. I don't know what has got to Larry in this. In the meantime, maybe it's just getting closer and closer to, to the big day, to 4th of July, and he's now sort of seeing the people coming in and realises the situation about, is out of his control as well. But, yeah... He's a yeah. And the thing with Larry, once a slime ball, always a slime ball. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to come on this podcast, Martin, to tell the world how much you hate Larry Vaughan, isn't yeah, that I right? Just pretty much wanted to slag him off. Yeah. 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 
it's fair. It's fair. He deserves it. But it is a great scene, and obviously it's got the most infamous line in the scene: um, "Sick vandalism." <laughs> this is the thing that me and Martin say to say a lot to each other. Um, often with no context, like if we're just slightly aggrieved about something, and we'll be like, "Sick vandalism." <laughs> <laughs> so personally uh yes this yeah. this is a great <laughs> a yeah. great line of dialogue yeah <laughs> yeah the fact that he says like you know it's a deliberate mutilation of a public service message <laughs> now i want those paint happy bastards caught and hung up by their buster browns <laughs> i think he's completely misreading the message on the billboards mm. it's really serves as a kind of massive pre-warning sign and you know a massive wake-up call to actually do the um, kind of only responsible thing as the mayor of the town to actually close the Gondan beach and <laughs> actually hire someone to kill the shock for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that uh, that sign. Um, it's I I, for, I didn't realize this was the scene where that gets revealed, and it made me laugh uh, <laughs> when when we panned over to it. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Um, <laughs> but that is a great uh i i think it's just a great piece of visual storytelling actually because it shows i think that the the citizenry of amity knows what's going on um oh also there's uh hendrix in the back hendrix is climbing the ladder so we see him again in the movie um yeah and uh i like that the public service announcement is Welcome to Amity Island. Like, that is the most concerned Larry is, is Mm. our public service announcement is Amity Island welcomes you. Think of any other public service announcement you've ever heard, which is about like, hey, treat people with dignity and respect. Don't do drugs. Don't smoke. Don't drink and drive. Like, those are public service (laughs) announcements, right? Like, things that cause societal problems at, you know, varying levels of harm to oneself or others. Larry's definition of a public service announcement is Amity Island welcomes you. Come to our 50th annual regatta race on July 4th. Doesn't sound too appealing. I mean, it's just the the fact that he calls it a public service message is so funny. I don't think I've ever realised how funny that line is before. And obviously, like the reveal, like you said, of that poster is so good. Yeah. Like the the way they slowly walk up to it, and it's obviously a very serious conversation that they're having. And then you see this like stupid face on the billboard, and like the Hendrix is on the ladder like they're obviously trying to like deal with it wash it off or whatever there's residents who are like queuing up to have their picture taken with it it's really funny (laughs) well and Hooper just laughs in his face as soon as he says this is a deliberate mutilation of a public service announcement he just looks at Brody and just laughs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the fact that he calls it a deliberate mutilation makes me laugh just like (laughs) He sees this nothing as like a you kind of bunch of young teenagers up to no good trying to rip, rip into his town and destroy it. It's... Yeah, <laughs> the fact that he's treating this like the big deal as well, and also something that did strike me is a, a I guess a slightly more serious undertone to this is that Vaughn is trying to distract Brody away from the shark. I mean, it's super subtle, obviously, but you know he's. He's mm-hmm. basically saying to Brody, like, I want you to go and find the the kids or, you know, presume kids, but whatever, you know, this group of people that have mutilated this public <laughs> public service message. And he's now sort of like, you know, this is what you need to do, Brody. He's like, I want them. I want them caught and, and hung up by the Buster Browns. <laughs> such a great line again. Um, but is is he just not just not thinking about the... The other issue, and I mean, this is when, like, Hooper has, like, fully had it. <laughs> when he just sort of walks away. And we, we don't get the great, like, Hooper laugh until um, until next week. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. Because that's a great moment when he's sort of, like, the, the line about the National Geographic. So I'll save that because that's, that's such a great <laughs> such a great exchange between the two. But, um, yeah, Hooper is not 
he he owes nothing to to Mervorn as well. He is not employed. He doesn't live there. He could just get off on his boat and and leave Amity as soon as he wants, really. So he is probably saying all the things that Brody wishes he could <laughs> say to Larry. Um, but obviously, he, he has to be slightly more diplomatic. It looks like he even tries to like stop Hooper from like fully squaring off against Larry at one point which is quite funny like he sort of like puts his hand on his chest to sort of like create a bit of distance between them um but yeah it's oh, that sign is so good I love <laughs> <laughs> I love it it's and it's very different to the obviously like with the it has been you know quote mutilated um but the last time we saw the sign was sort of when Brody was was going past it and we mentioned how the the girl on the the raft looks like Chrissy, and obviously the the raft is yellow, so that is you know foreshadowing of Alex. But it's interesting, obviously now this is the time that we see the the billboard again, and both of those deaths have have happened, and obviously what has been painted on it is quite comical, but it is that sort of like ooh, like this is <laughs> this is a very real problem, and no one is taking it seriously. So yes, it is funny, but also it's quite at this point it just sort of feels like we're watching a car crash happen in slow very very slow motion um and there's nothing we can do to stop it like the train has gone off the rails and nothing can stop this this crash now i went down the buster brown rabbit hole um (laughs) oh no (laughs) good news more cursed content for the discord coming your way um So I didn't know what Buster Browns were. I always assumed they were pants. Turns out they are shoes. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) And (laughs) they are named after a comic book character who was essentially like an old-timey Dennis the Menace. And uh, Buster Brown would go around doing hijinks around his city. And they made Buster Brown shoes that Buster Brown was the mascot of. Mm-hmm. And one of those things, one of the images that kept popping up was uh, a like him getting ready to paint over a sign with rules. So he he is a sick vandal. Um, and I think that's an interesting choice of dialogue then, because it makes the direct connection of like, oh, these are like mischief makers, like mm. uh, not the Nintendo 64 game, but like Buster Brown or Dennis the Menace. Uh, but I also learned that there was a theatrical Broadway, like a Broadway adaptation of Buster Brown. Uh, Buster Brown's sidekick was a dog, and they got a human person to play the dog. Oh, my. Uh, Where's this going? So here you go. <laughs> oh, that is a another cursed image uh, that I... Pretty try and remember <laughs> pretty to share this on the Twitter so people know what I, I'm looking at right now but um, I guess I'm not sleeping tonight so there's that <laughs> yeah that costume's a lot that dog yeah. costume is a lot even the like the creepy kid is a bit so that's not... a that's a that's a that's a human person that's an adult in the dog no in the Buster Brown as oh. a dwarf actor oh who went by the name Master Gabriel, which is a power move. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, Yeah. That is a heck of a stage name. (laughs) (laughs) I did not uh, go down the the Buster Brown's rabbit hole, but I'm very glad that you did. I I assumed it was um, that I'm trying to think of, well, I mean, Martin has been dropping F-bombs left, right and center, but I'm I'm trying trying, trying to think of like, PG way of saying it. I thought it was like hung up by the like private parts. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought. I actually thought okay, the same good. Thing. See, yeah, maybe it's a British I just thing. Just didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, no, Buster Brown uh, comic strip that turned into a horrifying Broadway production. <laughs> but I guess like it's not just a throwaway line. Like maybe this is just a phrase that no one uses anymore, but the fact that did you say that the character like used to like paint over signs or something so yeah one of the images that i i kept seeing was uh buster and the dog oh just kidding now that i look at it they had pasted this poster up it's a jar of paste or a, a 
can of paste instead of like poster paste um instead of uh uh paint i thought it was him in front of a poster getting ready to paint over it but it's him uh oh it's a political cartoon it says resolved that when i grow up i will run for governor if hoist can get elected anybody can i do not know who that is i think he is a governor of new york because he was in a new york uh uh magazine (laughs) fair enough okay (laughs) um i we mentioned this last week i think off mic and after we finished recording because i made a fantastic discovery about one of the things that brody says that i had never ever picked up on before and it is hard to pick out and it's not in the subtitles um but it is when um (laughs) click that link that's not the right image click that link okay uh i'll go back to my point in a minute oh oh that is scary Make it stop. Make I actually, it, I actually quite like that. Make I want it, it stop. on my wall. No. I'll be on no wall of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we... Um, yeah, spoke about last week. Uh, uh, a line that Brody says that is... You can't pick up on it that easily. It's not in the, it's not in the subtitles or anything. Um, but I heard it and then I was like, did I hear that right? And I checked it in the script. But when it's sort of like the overlapping talking, Brody is is going off on one. Really, he he is unhinged by this point. Really, he's uh, he's like, we're we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire someone to kill the shark, we're going to have to tell the coast guard, we're going to have to get shark repellent. And <clears throat> when I tell you, <laughs> I laughed when I heard that line, and uh, I didn't realise that. Well, I knew it was a Batman thing, but I didn't realize it was in like the old Batman thing. I thought it was like a dumb Lego Batman thing that they'd done. Um, but then MJ, you informed me it was an actual Batman thing, was, and yeah. we I watched the clip of that bit uh, that was in the Discord, and it's very so funny good and very so silly. Good. <laughs> I just want to point out something, uh, MJ, that Sarah's never seen Batman the with the old series with Adam West. I need to um, educate oh, her in that. I think. <laughs> It's so fun. It it's so fun. It's great. It's great. You'll love it. Is it all as silly as that clip? Because I did have a lot of fun it's watching that. It's very silly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The entire tone of the show is basically that clip. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. That clip comes from the movie that they made. But... Yeah. The 1966 movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but I love that. It's a very... <laughs> I, I just... I, I, I can't believe I've never picked up on that line before. It's so funny. I love that there is that reference in there. I love that Brody is uh, clutching at all of the straws here and is suggesting some very like sensible things and is then just like, what the hell, shark repellent. I just find that really funny. <laughs> I like the idea of Brody having seen the Batman movie at some seedy New York theater and being like, hey, that's a thing I saw in a movie once. It's got to be real, right? <laughs> Why would it be fake? <laughs> yeah, turns out shark repellent, real thing, but not until 2013. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, so it's a real product that you can buy, okay. and, but it, it came out in 2013 and it is made from putrefied sharks. Ooh. Yep. So you spray it and the other shark goes, that reeks of dead me and leaves. <laughs> dead me oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I <laughs> I've got nothing to come back from on that no uh, comment. <laughs> uh, I had something there is a wild bit of ADR in this scene did you guys notice it no, no, but I'm ready to yeah. ready to hear it Poised. <laughs> he Brody turns into Bane from the Dark Knight Rises at at a certain point in this scene where his voice just like completely leaves his body and comes from nowhere. Uh, it's when he's freaking out about that. And you can tell it was a windy day. So this is why they did it. Because one of the things I noticed is that the, the sound design in this scene is actually really good with the beach noises and the wind noises and the people in the background and the dialogue. But uh, it's when he says, um, oh, let me... F- 
find it. Oop, I went too far. It's, uh, there's no limits for what you can do. We've already had three incidents. Two people killed inside of a week. It's going to happen again. It happened before on a Jersey beach. Those two lines or those two words are completely disembodied <laughs> from him. It does not match up with his lips. It, it almost, if you're watching the scene closely, it looks like Hooper says that word and then go it goes right back to Roy Scheider talking like they're finishing each other's sentences now. Um, it's insane. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, it, and it's such a split second. I rewound it three times while I was watching the scene because I was like, does that, am I hearing that correctly? Like I've never, it was just one of those like watch it, you know, watching it a minute at a time. Uh, you, d you notice weird stuff like that uh, situations. But yeah, it's go back and listen to it when we're off mic and it is, it's wild it's it's a lot of of <laughs> editing went into it and I, I kind of appreciate how much they tried <laughs> um because i'm sure it was a hard piece to get uh, a hold of and to splice in there naturally and they mm. didn't do it but they gave it their their damnedest so <laughs> yeah i definitely need to go back and watch that scene again now with what you just said that's interesting mm. yeah <laughs> i noticed something slightly off um but I think it's it's because like it, like you said they are like finishing each other's sentences almost so it's it's quite hard to pick out like who is saying what exactly because the the dialogue is quite quick um so I noticed something off but I didn't my ears aren't as finely tuned as yours um MJ so I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't pick up on it um to the extent that you did but yeah interesting to yeah, I guess it would have just been the conditions, like you said, of the of the day. It's not an uncommon thing as well to have it in film either, is it? It's just yeah. one of those things. So, um, yeah, I just, let me see if there's anything else that I um, had in my notes. I think that this is going. I mean, this is like right at the <laughs> the start of the scene. So going back to the beginning. Um, but the the language that Brody and Hooper use is quite interesting. So Brody, this is like the most sort of dramatic or some of the most dramatic language we, we get from him. Um, so he starts off talking. He says, it's a great white Larry, a big one. Um, any shark expert in the world will tell you it's a killer. It's a man eater. So there's a lot of exclamation points in this script as well that I'm reading. There's three just in that in that opening bit of dialogue. And then Hooper, Hooper the scientist sort of comes in and, uh, you know, explains a bit more than than what Brody is saying. Brody is just, you know, reacting, I think, as any normal guy would. And Brody is our everyman in, in George, as we know. Um, he's saying the words I would probably be using as well. <laughs> like, it's a great big shark. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Um, whereas Hooper is sort of saying, you know, the shark has, has staked a claim in the waters off Amity. Um, he's going to continue to feed there as long as, as long as there's food in the water. Um, and explaining as well about, uh, the, the shark being attracted to the, to the splashing and activity and etc. Um, and Brody is a lot more animated when he sort of says uh, about ringing the dinner the dinner bell as well, which is significant because the the bell sound is what we hear uh, when Chrissy is killed right at the start. So um, that's uh, a nice little throwback to to that scene. Um, but yeah, we're we're seeing the clear differences I think in how just despite the fact this is this two pronged approach of them both going after Larry. Um, Brody is a lot more um, expressive in the language that he, that he's using and and sort of using these these exclamations. Whereas Hooper is still at this point trying to reason with Harry, uh, Harry, Larry, <laughs> before he realizes uh, that it is not possible. And then he starts to get a bit more uh, angry. Hooper, the uh, you won't like him when he's angry. Hooper starts to come out uh, towards the end. Ah. <laughs> uh... Just pictured Hooper turning into the Hulk the and Hulk, fighting the shark. I, that's, the, that's the thought I got. Yeah, hey, that's yeah. what I'm here for. <laughs> Just like busting out the shark cage. Mm -hmm. Be mm -hmm. a completely different kind of film. He was. Yeah. I mean, he was Superman last week. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> the new meme is that Hooper's. I mean, he's rich like Batman, 
Guys, I think Hooper is every superhero. <laughs> yeah, he might be a secret superhero, yeah. He is a combination of all the superheroes. Uh, Super Hooper, there we go. Super Hooper, yeah, why not? Oh, uh, there's Hooper. the episode title. <laughs> yeah. Or Hooper Hero, uh, if we go for that. <laughs> Hooper <Okay>. Hero! <laughs> <laughs> is it still spelled H-U-P-E-R, though? Yes, please. <laughs> It seems Super only hero. That's so good. <laughs> Hooper also busts out the uh, what I can presume is Latin as well. I don't know Latin, but going for like the 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 full shark's name, uh, his first name and surname, if you will. And <laughs> this is getting silly now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he thinks that is a a way of getting through to Larry, but he's really he's trying everything. Bless him. Uh, it's probably alien to Larry, right? Yeah. Yeah. That name, the shark. Yeah. <laughs> Larry looks like the kind of guy who might have dabbled in a bit of Latin nah, at school. Nah. No. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I. What kind of man who is not well traveled would wear that suit? <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> he has sailed the high seas researching sharks and learning latin and now he has a suit to remind him of his days as an as a hobbyist linguist and shark scientist <laughs> it's niche but uh someone's someone's gonna do it um okay <laughs> um martin did you have anything anything else in your in your notes or anything else that you wanted to mention um, I about think we've this covered scene. pretty much everything in my notes. I mm. don't know if your MJ's got anything additional to talk about. I mean, I'm just, I'm relishing this opportunity to just tell yeah. the world how terrible uh, Larry Vaughan is. Uh, great actor, terrible person. This is yeah. like <laughs> peak bad Larry. I, I feel. think uh, Hooper is like the MVP. He talks complete sense to Larry. He knows what he's talking about um, mm-hmm. and he's not being listened to and it's not fair. Yeah, isn't it? It's super frustrating. I guess we've we've probably all been in those situations where it's like, I don't know, in in place of work or something, or when when mm-hmm. you know that you are right about something, mm. and someone is just blindly just it, it just denying that anything you're saying is true, but you know it for a fact to be true. So I think we really start to see the frustration in in Hooper in this scene, and it's totally relatable and uh, martin actually earlier you mentioned about him being like trump mm. this is very like trump being told about <laughs> about oh i mean anything really um and just in complete denial that it's that it's even a thing that it even exists and you know thinking of of the of the pandemic and everything mm. and he was like right at the start anyway was like oh this will be over by easter and you've got other people like telling him like no this is a ser- <laughs> this is a serious thing you've got scientists with their heads in their hands as he's talking about drinking bleach and stuff and it's like it's dangerous just dangerous yeah (laughs) completely and Mm. both larry and and trump and uh boris as well you know at some point made decisions or where they've not listened to the experts and then Mm. you know bad things have happened as a result of that so Mm. it's in it's super interesting watching jaws now in the middle of a of a pan actually i'll ask you martin as as you're here and on the podcast (laughs) did you because you've watched uh, credit where it is due you've watched yours like three times in preparing for this podcast and only one of those times was inflicted by me so i'm very impressed at your dedication to the cause but (laughs) did you i don't know did you find that like watching it watching it this time and you hadn't watched it for a little while you said that it was different in the sort of the context of the pandemic yeah, I, I'd say that, yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, yeah, just the first half of the film where the mayor doesn't listen to anyone, It's it just kind of definitely reminds me of Trump mm. in every possible way. Um, and like um, with like Cooper, he'd like Fentany's like frustration right from the beginning when he, um, you know, was looking at the, the, the bite marks in the first girl victim. Uh, mm. Was it Christine, her name? Chrissy. Oh, Chrissy, sorry. And like, yeah, you're saying like, this is no boating accident. Mm. This is a, this is a damn shark attack. Yeah, <laughs> he knows from the start that yeah. something is up. Yeah. But... And like saying to Brody, did you not report this to any authorities? Mm. And like, Brody's like, no. Mm. 
And yeah, just, I think that just builds on his already his anger and frustration as soon as he gets onto the island and investig- starts investigating mm. further. So, yeah, I think he always had, like, um, was very hostile towards um, the mayor form. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, their first meeting, we talked about it, I think, is real frosty. <laughs> so there's a clear vibe yeah. between these two characters and it absolutely continues into this scene where I would say it reaches boiling point. I don't think they have any other... I think this is the last interaction we see between Hooper and Larry, but, I mean, it's a good one. <laughs> as far as arguments go, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, the only thing I have is, uh, Jack, in your tweet, you you called Boris Bojo, mm-hmm. um, which uh, <laughs> I'm sure might be common over there, but where I'm moving to in Colorado... There is apparently an incredible pizza place called Bojo's, and I do <laughs> not need that. There. I do not need that in my life. Mm. I mean, I do love pizza, but I don't know if I'll, I'll go to a place called Bojo. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's spelled B E A U J E A U. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. Yeah, it's yeah, spelled yeah. the same way, so yeah. yeah, that's fine. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> they give you apparently they give you honey so that you can dip your crust in the honey. Hmm, after like the the little end piece of crust that has none of the regular pizza part okay on it yep so apparently no sour chive cream or anything like that you're a you're a dipper crust yeah, I'm a, in I'm a, a sauce di- yeah i'm a definitely a dipper kind of <laughs> oh, person okay. yeah i'm not yeah. i'm not about that life really i love a pizza, yeah me neither but... you don't like any sauces or condiments you just you just have food on its own because it <laughs> you, you believe it shouldn't it shouldn't have to taste better with any like tomato ketchup or mayonnaise or anything like that. If food is good enough, it will taste good on its own without some. <laughs> That's kind ridiculous. Of... <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> this has turned into pre-marriage counselling uh, <laughs> now. I believe. <laughs> no, we're, we're we're doing fine, really. We don't we don't need counselling. We're 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 great. I think it's a. Uh, this is me playing Switzerland, trying to appease you both. But I <laughs> yeah, think sure. it's a case. I think it's a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm not about to just have some plain rice. I got to throw something on there. Oh, even yeah, if it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, or even yeah <laughs> or even like a like a chicken strip or something. Like, I'm going to, I need it. It needs to be a sauce delivery system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same page, MJ, here. I don't know. Yeah. Well, know, that said, I hate ketchup, so. <laughs> yeah, and to, to make a... Uh, tenuous jaws connection uh that jaws hot dog that they sell at universal has too much ketchup in it too much ketchup far did, too much did you ever tell me about jaws hot dog i showed you the jaws hot dog oh i completely forgot well Sorry. <laughs> scroll up a bit yeah it's in the discord it's okay. um yeah we're we're trying to uh persuade people to to drop us money on our coffee page <laughs> so that we could i mean if they drop enough money maybe we can fund a trip to universal to actually get the hot dogs oh um, that's the true dream yeah. but <laughs> yeah hey donate money to send uh uh sarah and martin on a uh when it's safe to go honeymoon to yeah, universal yes. japan to try the Jaws hot dog (laughs) please (laughs) while while we're talking about like places we want to go to we are talking about going to Amity uh, Amity Island in its 50th anniversary of the film in 2025 that would be amazing oh I know yeah and LJ fam meet up LJ fam meet up (laughs) this came as a you would think that I would be the orchestrator of this idea but this idea came from Martin so I'm now saying this is happening so whenever the this is me being a bad jaws fan whenever the 50th anniversary of jaws is it's basically just me being bad at maths not a bad jaws fan um well 2025 martin just said it yeah Yeah. oh yeah it's a a done deal it's set in stone that's me not listening now um okay yeah i i think we should do it yeah imagine the fun oh that's a great idea yeah but we have to go for july 4th right Oh, yeah. yeah, obviously, yeah. It's only yeah. right. I imagine that the flights and hotels and everything around that time are considerably more expensive. But if we start saving, yeah. saving now... now. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. If we get enough merch sales, enough coffee donations, uh, we will be able to fund this trip to uh, to Martha's Vineyard for the, uh, the 50th anniversary. Make it happen. Make it happen. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. can't wait. Yeah, well... Oh, got me, yeah. got me <laughs> holiday planning in my head now. Um, yeah. Unless, unless anyone had anything, sorry, we deviated into uh, 
sauce uh, condiment discussions on our holiday. Did, yeah. Kind of crazy directions. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's what we do here. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> anyone else have anything on this scene before we um before we wrap up? Uh, no. no, I think that's it. I think that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, Martin, it was it was a a joy and a delight uh, to have you on the podcast. I'm not just saying that because you're um, right next to me, and I'm your fiance, and you're my fiance. <laughs> um, it, it has been a lot of fun to have you on there, uh, to have you on the show, and you uh, put up with me disappearing for a few hours every Saturday evening whilst I yeah, record sure. episodes. So. <laughs> very grateful and glad that you could come on as well um but yeah if you want to tell people uh where they can find you on twitter and elsewhere and um anything you want to plug as well then uh yeah now's your time sure my um twitter handle is the movie nerd sb um i've also had my own film blog um ongoing f- i think oh yeah just over six years i started it in um what year are you in now? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I started in September 2014. Um, it's gone through a lot of different developments, but I'm, I've... Because um, I, I haven't really written for last year because of the pandemic and everything else going on. Um, but earlier this year, I kind of had a revamp. I kind of... Um, in line with the name of my blog, the name of my blog is uh, Movie Nerd Strikes Back. Um, so I kind of gave it a kind of um, 80s Star Wars uh, look to it. Um, thanks to Alex, who also designed your logo. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've, I've been um, uh, 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 chowing on with the uh, writing reviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, just um, check out check out what I'm up to on my blog there. And, yeah, you can always follow me on Twitter. Like I said, my um, Twitter handle is the Movie Nerd uh, SB. Yeah, and we'll we'll pop all those links in the um in the show notes as well, so you can go and find that. And just a chance to uh, say how great Alex is again. Um, I hope you, I know I know you listen to some of the episodes, so I'm gonna hope you listen to the, some of the recent ones because we've been singing his praises. But um, he did a great job on your logo, our yeah. logo. Um, Harley from Fundamentals did that logo. Did Lucy's logo for TV Time. He has been all over the uh, um, <laughs> podcasts and blog logos um, and done a terrific job on all of them. So yeah, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, Alex. We appreciate you. Um, and yeah, you can find uh, us um, a podcast on Twitter. We are at Jaws for a minute, and you can find me at Sarah Buddery, and you can find MJ at MJ Smith eight nine one. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, or anything else, uh, you can email the show, minute at gmail.com. A couple of ways you can support the show, so you can rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify tend to be the, the best ones, but um, wherever, wherever you find your pods, uh, you can give us a rating, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. Um, if you would like to buy one of our fabulous uh, merch designs, uh, particularly recommend the It's Shark O'Clock Somewhere one uh, because it's so good. Um, <laughs> you can find that on TeePublic and Redbubble. The link is in our Twitter bio. Um, and also linked in the bio is our coffee page. So we've we've done a fair amount of plug-in for this coffee page on this episode already. Uh, a long ways to go if we're going to fund holidays and all sorts of things. <laughs> but uh, you can, if you can, uh, a small way of supporting the show, you can um, drop us a donation on there. There's also an incentive if you donate through the coffee page uh, you will be automatically entered into a draw to win some kind of fabulous merch prize from us so uh, yeah hopefully that is uh, enough to to draw you in all you have to do is donate on that page um and you will be eligible to be entered into that and yeah i think that is about it for this week uh so until next week it's jaws o'clock somewhere